it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So my goal, to help you fatten that wallet, to help you not let anybody try to empty it out. So I give advice, I give guidance, I give information, and there are times that you feel any of those three could be wrong, misguided, I'm thick-headed, whatever it is. So I need your feedback. That's why we set up at Clark.com the Clark Stinks Forum, where you can go and post where you feel I left you wanting, where I left you disappointed, or where I left you just plain mad. And so you can go there, you post your thoughts, others get to read them, others get to comment on them, and then once a week, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares many of them with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark. Here's the title of the first one. This nurse thinks you stink temporarily. Clark, I listen to your podcast on my way to work every day and was so surprised to smell a little stink coming from my car speakers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on a recent show, you talked to a lady who was looking to start a nur- to start nursing school and was looking to get a private loan that she wouldn't need to start paying off until she was done. How come you didn't mention subsidized and unsubsidized federal school loans? I was able to borrow with zero interest and had a six-month grace period after I finished school, allowing me to pay in full before I started accruing interest. Since she was having to step down from a full-time at her job, she may have been able to demonstrate financial need for this. On top of that, when she stated her school costs 33K just for tuition, I nearly fainted. She was probably looking into a university or private school. Most state schools or community colleges offer nursing programs that are one-third of that price and also offer accelerated concurrent programs to obtain a bachelor's in nursing at the same time. On a lighter note, I'm a huge fan, and I don't think you stink. Thanks for the years of great advice, minus this one. Well, I appreciate all the pluses you just gave there, and that is fantastic advice you gave. And when people face a giant tuition bill, I'm such a fan of looking for a more affordable institution to get the education you want where you won't have to borrow so much money, just as you suggested. While it's good to keep crooks from taking advantage of the USPS informed delivery, it is also important to know that this is a USPS advertising platform, and they link to a story. I hope USPS has or will implement great security measures to ensure that only the people actually at an address can get this service. Yeah, and that's all I've asked for. If you're not familiar I was touting informed delivery when it was a pilot several years ago, and it's really a brilliant concept as mail passes through a sorting facility. They send you digital images of the mail that's coming to you, so if something doesn't show up, you know there's a problem. It's disappeared somewhere and from, from your local post office, typically, to your home, and the problem has been that informed delivery doesn't have proper security in place, so anybody can be prying eyes seeing what mail is coming to you, 
And that's what needs to be fixed. Donna wrote into us and said, you said for every year you wait to collect Social Security, you get 8%. That's not true. I plan on taking mine at 65 in one month, and the chart says I lose 6%. I also get 11 more payments. Factoring in inflation, it's better to take the money up front. I appreciate that. So if you're no longer working and you really could benefit from the money to go ahead and take it, and it's at your normal retirement age, full retirement age, go ahead and take it. On the other hand, if you don't need the funds right now, you do have, on average, for every year you delay, an imputed increase in what each monthly check will be worth of roughly 8% more. I I don't know uh, how we're coming to different math on that, but when the time is right that you need the money, obviously that's when you take it. Hi, Clark. A caller recently asked about her email account being compromised. She had received a threatening email that demanded payment. You advised her to change her password and consider getting another email account separate from her ISP. Very good advice. I would just add, anytime your account is compromised, not only should you change your password, but you should also change your security questions. If someone has gained access to your account, they also have access to security questions and they can change the answers to those security questions. And even though you can change your password, they can get right back into the account by answering them. I also suggest that when you provide answers to the security questions, you do not use real answers. For example, common security questions are, what is your mother's maiden name? What school did you go to? What street did you grow up on? These are all easy to guess questions. Just by visiting someone's social media account, you can see... You could often get that information. Instead of nonsense answers, I personally use another password, a set of random numbers, letters, and characters. I then log those questions and answers in my password manager for each site so that I have the answers available if I ever need them. Thank you, as always, for your great advice, Shelly. Shelly, what you described there is so excellent. I would love it if you would uh, send in a longer submission of various steps someone can take to secure their identity and secure their email accounts. And with your permission, we would then publish that as a guest contributor on Clark.com. That's You obviously understand internet security very well. Clark's comments on the Amazon DVR were informative. They would have been more informative had he mentioned that companies like TiVo and Tableau have been in the DVR business for years. I have a TiVo with lifetime guide service, and so I've avoided monthly fees. And I can I can and do use YouTube with it. So why buy a crippled Amazon DVR? Why not get ah. why get caught in the middle of Amazon the Amazon Google battle? TiVo and Tableau are both full featured DVRs that make watching over the air TV a pleasure. Clark should mention the DVR competitors that have been in the business for years. It's called competition, something that he says he believes in. Well, thank you for this post, because the reason I mention new electronics from Amazon is there are a fair number of people who live their life in the Amazon ecosystem, and they once they're in, they're all in. And so it's important for them to know that this is an extension of another electronics product from Amazon. But yes, I prefer neutral third-party platforms, and that's what you get 
with Tableau and with uh, TiVo. Tableau? What's the name? Tableau. A T-A-B-L-O. Yeah, Tableau. Tableau. And with TiVo. Tableau. And Tableau. (laughs) Tableau. Tableau. Tableau, whatever. Anyway, and with TiVo, most of the time you have to pay ongoing fees. You avoided that, and those are great suggestions. Clark and team, I'm a loyal podcast listener. You talk often about prescriptions and drug pricing. For example, there is a downside to GoodRx, and your listeners should know what it is. Your email today mentions Express Script's new flex formulary lowering, lowering prices. Probably not. I don't think you or your team understand well the relationship between self-insured employers, payers, PBMs, rebates, pricing, and formularies. For example, I have never heard you mention the Boston group named ICER, Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, that is trying to discipline the marketplace on price. They are similar to the European model, NICE, and there is all so much more for you to understand when discussing this topic. You know, I will never be able, under the current uh, method that healthcare works in the United States, I will never be able to do more than uh, cursory kind of addresses to it because healthcare is one of those things, the more you get involved in it, the less you understand it every day than you did the day before. And so the best I can do is give people simple tools to try to attack the cost of healthcare in their lives. So if I've been incomplete and as a result have gotten a failing grade from you, I apologize for that, but I have a responsibility to give people strategies that are easy for them to implement to lower their individual costs. Clark, you stepped in it and must have been distracted. You missed point number four. Converting a residence to a rental has more than three main considerations. I was just listening to the podcast, and you had a person that was a longtime owner of a paid-off condo. You walked through three points that would make it a good rental. You missed a very important consideration. Since this was his longtime principal residence, converting it instead of selling could cost him the 250 to $500,000 exemption on the gain of the sale of the condo. This could be substantial if he sells outside of the qualification window. Bruce in Bellingham. Bruce, you are completely correct. And I, I know that through and through. So if I failed to, miss, to mention it in that particular circumstance, that's my fail. It is true that if you were converting your personal residence, home, condo, townhouse, from owner-occupied to rental, and you've lived in it long enough that you've had substantial increase in value, it can be a very costly decision to convert that to a rental property because you give up the safe harbor on taxes from capital gains on for a single individual a quarter million, a married couple $500,000 in tax-free gain. Free and cheap ways to send money within the U.S. and overseas. This was an article on Clark.com. I guess nobody thinks about the exchange rate. Most of the places you quote have high exchange rates. This is why they're not charging high transfer rates. You just can't go by the transfer fee. You have to look at it all. The transfer fee and exchange rate to really see what the true cost is. I live in Thailand and exchange money every month just to live. I always compare with the exchange rate with the transfer fee to get a true cost to transfer the dollar. 
Don't write about something you don't know about unless you do your research. Thank you. Well, that's I, our first Clark Stinks from Thailand. Well, that, that's cool. I think we need to go have a face-to-face yes. conversation because <laughs> I love Thailand so much. And my nephew is there right now and I helped him plan out his trip and they're having a, just the best time. So I, I know everything you're saying. And if we had an omission in the article talking about the spreads and exchange rates, that is my bad, our bad. And we will make sure we add a paragraph about that to the article on Clark.com because you're right. The fee is not enough to know. The exchange rate is key to whether you're getting a good deal or not. I appreciate all your posts. Please, when you feel that I have been incomplete, as with that article on Clark.com, or give advice that's missing part of the story, or whatever it is where you feel I can do a better job, please help me out by letting me know. Go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and give me some good direction to serve you better. Dylan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Dylan, you you are at an age that I'm so excited you're calling to ask me about saving for the long term. How old are you? Yes, sir. I'm 21. I'm getting ready to graduate in college in May. Um, I've got a job lined up after I graduate and am hoping to be debt-free by the time I graduate. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. So the question I had for you was, I'm trying to, like you said, get ahead, start saving for retirement, investing, and I really don't know where to get started with that. I don't know if I need to look for a financial advisor, if I need to learn how to manage my own money. And I wanted to get your input on this. So the main reason to go to a financial advisor is decades from now when you're trying to figure out how you're moving forward towards maybe an ultimate retirement or financial independence. You don't need a human to start saving for retirement because the ways you do that are pretty simplified. You know, with that job you're going to start after school that you've already lined up, do you know are they going to have a 401k? Yes, sir, they will have a 401k. I'm not sure what the match is, but I think it's somewhere 3 or 4%, something like that. All right, and I am so impressed at 21 that you know what a 401k is. You already know the employer has it. You already know what a match is. So you're perfectly capable of getting started saving because the whole key through this process is living on less than what you make. And okay. you are, you're wired that way. I can hear it in your voice. You have a real seriousness about you. And so when you start working, you're not going to be used to the size check you're going to have and the lifestyle that check will buy you. So I want you to put in as much money as you can possibly stand into that employer's 401k, starting with 10% of what you're making. Okay, so go even above what they match. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're not used to having a lot of money laying around. Correct. So what you're going to get from that check, if you can lifestyle up pretty quickly. Okay. So if you put a dime of every dollar you make into that 401k, and you may well, a majority of employers now offer the choice of a Roth 401k. If your employer does, I want you to go in the Roth option. Okay. Because that means the money will be taxed 
but then it will grow tax-free for the next 50 years and be spent tax-free. So it's better because you're not going to be making massive paychecks right out of school. Mm -hmm. It's much more advantageous for you to go in the Roth choice. And in it, I'd like you to go into the Target Retirement Fund they offer, which will be probably the last year of Target Retirement Fund, which may be something like 2065, maybe the latest there is now. That's the year 2065. Just put all that 10% into it, and you will have done everything you need to be doing right now. And congratulations to you for thinking about this at 21 years old. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. We had something come up recently in a staff meeting that was one of those things that's like, wow. There, you know, we have a staff of, I guess, we about two dozen people most working on our digital operation at Clark.com and Clark Deals. And it was clear there were a number of people who really didn't know my backstory. And I realized that a lot of people listening to my radio show or my podcast don't have a clue of my backstory either. How is it that I develop the philosophies I have? How is it that I do what I do and give the guidance that I give? So I'm going to go back and give you a brief run-through of how I ended up where I am now. So I grew up in what seemed like and was a very comfortable life growing up as a child, and I never wanted for anything. And it seemed like we had a very nice existence. And I went off to college at 17 or 18, somewhere right in there. And I went off to the American University in Washington, D.C. to study government and politics. I always thought that I was going to run for public office. I mean, from when I was like six years old, in like first grade, I was, I knew that my first best destiny in my life was to be a politician. Something that, it's funny, I've never done in my life. But I digress. So I'm off at school, studying government and politics, and get through a year of school, come home, Thanksgiving of my sophomore year and there was this really really sad atmosphere around the house and when you're off at college and you come home you kind of parachute in for thanksgiving for like three days and then you're gone again but something was wrong and everybody was really gloomy and very very uh solemn like Someone had just died. And so I decided in my teenage mind that maybe my dad was dying because he had no sense of humor at all when I came home that time or anything. And sure enough, after dinner, he asked me to stay at the table. 
And I was like, oh, this is it. And he said, I have something terrible to tell you. And I'm like, okay, here it comes. And he says, I lost my job. And suddenly I'm smiling ear to ear. I'm like, wow, this is great. And he's looking at me, why are you so happy? I said, well, I thought you were going to tell me you were dying. And he laughed because suddenly the perspective of what had been weighing on him suddenly seemed less bad from the mouth of youth, you know. Well, I thought you were dying. So losing the job didn't seem so bad till he said, well, I need to tell you, I don't know that there's money for you to go back to college. And I'm like, what? Because we'd always had this comfortable life. I had no idea when my dad lost his job that they had never been savers or anything like that. That they lived that nice life. I mean, they were like, Americans today, right? They weren't saving money. They were just living. So go back to Washington, go back to American U, and I scrambled to find a job. It was the tail end of the Vietnam War, and I started with a paid internship as a civilian employee with the Air Force. And for anybody who's had prior federal service, I got a job as a GS-4. And I was making more money than anybody I knew at school, and I had switched from being a day student to a night student and worked full-time first at the Pentagon. Then I got a higher-paying job with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. I became a GS-5, which meant a nice step up in pay, and I worked there through the undergraduate school and into early graduate school. And so I was able to go to school at night, work during the day, and get by. And it was such an important lesson for me with what had happened with my parents. But one thing that did happen, having worked at HUD for that period of time, I realized I didn't want to be around government. And I went to graduate school to get a master's in business And while I was in grad school, I got an interview with IBM, still working for HUD, and I I got a chance to get a job at IBM, which was so important because they paid for graduate school. And I was a bill collector for IBM, collecting from people who hadn't paid for their IBM equipment. And from that point, when I finished graduate school, I resolved... And things happen, you know, you'll have a shock in your life, particularly if you're a teenager. Like I think about a lot of the people that are part of this FIRE movement who became aware of what happens if you don't have a good safety valve of money when their parents lost their jobs, lost their houses last decade, lost their cars, their whole lives got turned upside down. You respond to that many times radically. So for me, what I did right out of graduate school, I started living on every other paycheck. I was 22 when I finished graduate school. And that's the way I progressed through my 20s. And I was somebody of serious ambition. I bought my first foreclosed real estate when I was 22. 
and I started doing stock investing. And that's something my father was really able to help me with because when I was in elementary school, my dad had worked much younger in his life on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. He taught me how to read what were called stock tables. This is way before computers. When I was in elementary school. And so I had this base of knowledge about investing. I had this desire to uh, live way below my means. And I bought my first home when I was 22, as I mentioned. And I was on a path. When I was 25, I had saved enough money, I opened my own business. I opened a travel agency when that was a really great business to be in. The airline industry had just been deregulated. And before that, the government decided every fare, every flight, how many seats could be on a plane, what airline flew it. When the airlines were deregulated, the marketplace set it out. And I had this feeling that flying was going to go from being something just for the very rich to something that everybody would do and that the industry would grow into a huge force, which it did. And I was in the right place at the right time. In my 20s, I opened an agency about every 18 months. And when I was 31, a group of businessmen that had been in one of the three national travel chains came to me and wanted to buy my business. Bought it, threw me out the door, and I went to the East Coast of Florida and retired at 31. And I thought that's what I was going to do and where I was going to be. I'd lived, been at the beach a while, and I had family circumstances that forced me back to my birth home of Atlanta. And I was doing nothing. And then out of the blue, I got a call from a radio station asking me if I'd be a guest on a show they had on the weekends about travel. One guest appearance led to another, led to another. Ultimately, I was made host of that. Two more years passed by, and I was doing basically nothing. I was doing this two-hour guest appearance, and that was all I did every week. No work, nothing. And then the people at the station asked me if I would do a show about money because I had this real entrepreneurial background that I've only given you a little teaser of. And so I started doing a show they called Cover Your Assets, answering people's questions about anything about their money. And it worked. Then suddenly I was working. And it turned out I did really well in the ratings. And so another company came to me and said, hey, we'd like you to come to work for us and do radio and TV and talk to people about their wallets. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about television. So don't worry. So they sent me to Iowa in the winter to TV school to learn how to be on television. And I started doing radio and TV for them and have been doing that since 1991. Went into syndication in 1998. We started our first website in 1997. And you may hear me from time to time talk about our off-air advice that we provide for free. We started that in 1993. Written 10 books over the years, three New York Times bestsellers, one and number one New York Times bestseller. I've been a very 
unusually lucky guy with something I never intended to do, never knew anything about, never desired to do, had no training for. But what I love is I love teaching. And if you think ultimately what I'm about, it's about teaching, about empowering, about guiding you so you can take control of your wallet, have more independence in your life. And certainly I get enraged when people get ripped off to keep you away from ripoffs. All this became possible because I had become financially independent at 31 years old and did not need to work again. And in the medium I'm in, you'll hear me say things that upset particular companies or industries. I've never worried about that. I've never worried about what consequences could be from that because if I didn't get to do this anymore, it wouldn't matter to me financially. It only mattered to me in terms of being able to serve you. So I have a very different path, a very unusual path, and it's why I identify so much with people who live on far less than what they make. Because what it does is it creates freedom. It creates choices. It makes it possible for you to do things you might not have thought you could do. Something you daydream about. Something you love. Instead of working for a check, you work at what matters to you. And I've been able, over the years, to do so many things that I've loved with you as my listener, with my viewers, with people who go to my websites, and that is to build side-by-side with you homes that I've had the privilege to sponsor with Habitat for Humanity. And in just a few weeks, we will start the 75th home that I've been able to have the privilege to sponsor that I've been able to build side-by-side with you. So I have three kids a fantastic wife, and a great life. And I've been able to live a full life because of the financial independence that came early, a lot of luck that came my way, and a lot of life lessons I've learned along the way. Know that inside each of us, we have the power to do more than we realize. We have the power to enjoy life more than we might expect. And ultimately, experiences matter. Possessions don't. But a certain amount of money is key to be able to have a baseline of financial security. So that is a quick version of little snippets of highlights in my life. But something that I'm so grateful about And I'm so thankful as we're here in the holiday season and so close to Christmas itself that I have had the privilege in this latest life, what I do here on the air, what I do on TV, what we do on the web, what we do off the air with off-air advice, the wonderful people who are part of Team Clark that I get to be with day after day. Kim has been with me 21 years now, I guess. Joel's been here 11. Krista's been with me 21 years. Clara's been with me 
how many years now? 34 years? I mean, 34 years. Isn't that amazing? And so I've worked with this wonderful team, some people that are newer, some that have been with me a long time. But ultimately what's been great is being able to do it for the purpose of service to my fellow American. It's time for Ask Clark, and Joel, you have a question from somebody who's really worried about their privacy. Yeah, Clark, Joyce wrote in, she said, what's my right regarding my information posted for public view without my consent? I see my full name, full address, and my phone number on the internet. There's even pictures of my street and my house. Is there a way to protect my personal information from public viewing? Unfortunately, not in the United States yet. The CEO of Apple just called for that recently that we should have the same rights to privacy that people in Europe have. But the power of the various internet enterprises to this point has been too strong to allow for us to have what they call in Europe a right to be forgotten. The way it works in Europe is as a public figure, I would have no right to privacy. But if you are a private individual, you have the right to petition to have information about you on the internet suppressed. And in spite of the whining of the various players on the internet, they have been able successfully to implement this. State of California has passed some restrictions that may go towards this direction. But what we need in the United States, this information thing is out of control. We need for the U.S. Congress to step up and serve the American people instead of big contributors from big companies and give us in the United States a right to be forgotten. Imagine somebody who's got a stalker out there who could easily go online and find that kind of information about you. That is not acceptable. It's not okay. It's a threat to life. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.